Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. In the early afternoon of January 6th, Congresswoman Pramila Jayapal was in the gallery of the House of Representatives. She was watching the effort by Republicans to block certification of Joe Biden's Electoral College victory. I, Paul Gosar from Arizona. For what Sports. purpose does the gentleman from Arizona rise? I rise up for myself and 60 of my colleagues to object to the uh, counting of the electoral ballots from Arizona. She was there in the gallery because COVID restrictions limit the number of representatives that can be on the floor at any one time. And so it was from up there that she saw all hell break loose. Jayapal represents Seattle, Washington, and is the chair of the Congressional Progressive Caucus. She's also our guest on the show today. She was supposed to be our guest for last week's episode, which was going to be about the path from here to eventual passage of Medicare for All. Instead, we posted a rather unplanned episode called Inside the Insurrection, which you should go back and listen to if you haven't. Jayapal, like reporter Matt Fuller in our last episode, made it from the gallery to a secure area to wait out the assault. And while the room proved in the end to be secure from violence, it wasn't safe from maskless Republicans or from COVID. Three Democratic members of Congress have now tested positive for COVID-19 after being confined in the same room for hours alongside Republican members of Congress who refused their requests, even in that room, to put on masks. Congressman Brad Schneider of Illinois, Congresswoman Pramila Jayapal of Washington, who's the chair of the Progressive Caucus, Congresswoman Bonnie Watson Coleman, who's 75 years old, Jayapal put out a statement saying this. Many Republicans still refused to take the bare minimum COVID-19 precaution and simply wear a damn mask in a crowded room during a pandemic, creating a super spreader event on top of a domestic terrorist attack. She also called it, quote, selfish idiocy. But she agreed to join us today anyway to discuss the events of last Wednesday, how she is handling her diagnosis and hopeful recovery, and what all of this means for the progressive agenda over the next few weeks and months. Hey there. Hey, Congresswoman Jayapal, how are you? I am okay. How are you? But better than you. <laughs> I mean, how, how are you feeling? I'm feeling much better today. The first three days were kind of rough, but I definitely started feeling better um, this morning. So the fever's gone, the chills are gone. Now it's just like a big stuffy head, you know, sort of more like a regular cold. Mm-hmm. Right. And I, I gather you had tested negative right before this. That's right. I, I got tested on Tuesday afternoon and I tested negative that night. I got the result. And I had also tested negative five days before that because I, I had gotten tested before I flew into D.C. And that test was also negative. So I've regularly been testing negative until I went to the super spreader event that I was forced into. Can you walk us through Wednesday morning? 
uh, to the moment you saw those rioters trying to smash their way onto the House floor? Well, I got to the Capitol early at quarter to nine because we had been told that there would be what was being described to us as protests at that time. As Congress gets ready to certify President-elect Joe Biden's victory in the Electoral College today, Washington, D.C. is bracing for massive protests. But also we understood that there was a regular, Mm -hmm. you know, it was not a regular event, that there were real security threats because we were being asked to get there several hours before the proceedings were to start, and we had been told to be on alert by Capitol Police. The National Guard has been deployed as President Trump is expected to address a rally of his supporters later on today. And so when I got to the chamber just before one o'clock, there were limited numbers of people who were allowed on the main floor of the House and then in the gallery, just one level above because of COVID. And so I was one of the people that was allowed into the gallery. So I was sitting there with maybe a dozen other members. And at 125, my chief sent me a text saying, evacuating cannon. We were all getting the messages on social media in the minutes before that. And we didn't understand why nobody was reacting because it seemed like there was an enormous mob outside. Mm -hmm. And yet we were still there. But, you know, we had this strange, now what I realize is misplaced faith that we were going to be safe. You know, at 128, Mm -hmm. I texted my husband and said, this is seriously crazy. Police have been breached. Chaos is going to break out and violence too. There's an armed standoff at the house front door. Police officers have their guns drawn. Hopefully this gets resolved peacefully, but police are overrun by these protesters and ask for reinforcements to deal with this situation that is escalating and going out of control here, guys. That was at 128. He, you know, asked me if I should come back to the mm-hmm. office. He said, maybe you should just come back to the office right now. But I had had knee surgery and the trains weren't running between the Capitol and the other buildings. And so the idea of like trying mm-hmm. to make my way back to the office didn't seem safe either. And so I said, no, I'm in the safest place I could possibly be. I'm with right. the Speaker of the House. I'm on the House floor, mm-hmm. you know, the House uh, gallery. And of course, there's going to be lots of Capitol Police that are going to prevent any harm from coming to us. And that, of course, turned out to not be true at all. And so it was 2.17 when they locked us in and they had just taken out Speaker Pelosi and, and Majority Leader Hoyer. And, you know, our alarm bells were ringing. At some point before that, Abigail Spanberger showed me a picture of Flexicuff man in the Senate. So that had already happened. Eric Munchell of Tennessee, who law enforcement officials say appears to be the man here carrying plastic restraints, prompting questions about whether they intended to take hostages. Nancy and Steny at 217. At 218, I texted, they are on the steps of the Capitol. And at 219, I said, we're recessing, but we can't leave. Hmm. And at 2.21, I said the Capitol has been breached. So it was just all happening so fast. And we could hear all of the noise because the gallery is quite shallow. You know, it's maybe 10 to 15 feet at the most from Mm -hmm. the banister that overlooks the house floor to the doors that go directly out into the corridor. And there were rioters starting to pound on the door. We were told to move for some reason. 
Hmm. And because of my knee surgery, I had a cane. And so I was completely focused on how am I going to get under the banisters with this cane, with a knee I can't bend. There is absolute chaos right now. The United States Capitol building uh, has been breached. We heard from lawmakers who were initially in lockdown and then being told to put on gas masks, uh, trying to get out of the Capitol building. Did you think they were going to get in? I really did, because by the time we were down on the floor, they were banging, there were people banging on the doors. And unlike the main floor of the chamber, not only were we very close, but there's no movable furniture there. They're all seats that are Mm -hmm. nailed in. And so all we had between us and the rioters were, and we didn't know if they were armed, you know, we didn't know who they were, was a few Capitol Mm -hmm. police officers. But they seemed somewhat confused themselves. They were yelling to each other about who has the key before they were able to close all the doors. And they didn't really seem to be in communication with anyone else. And so we just had no idea if anyone was going to know that we were there and come and get us. All the other members had been taken off the main floor of the chamber by then, and we were still stuck there. And so, yes, there was a very real fear that these people who were pounding on the doors, maybe just 15 feet from us, were going to get in and that we would not make it out. How did you make it out? Well, at some point after they started pounding and the Capitol Police officers were saying, identify yourselves, identify yourselves, because we weren't sure how we were ever going to know it was safe to go out. Somebody must have identified himself as a Capitol Police officer, and they opened the doors, and then they ushered us out, and we were right near the big staircase going downstairs, and just on the other side of the staircase, so maybe five feet away from us, were these rioters, insurrectionists, I don't know what we want to call them, um, Mm -hmm down on the floor, about five five of them maybe, down on the floor, mm-hmm. spread eagled on their bellies with their hands over their heads, and Capitol Police officers around them, guns drawn on them. Right. And those were the people that had been trying to get in to the into where we were. We were just told to go down. There was no police officer with us. There was nobody with us, nobody telling us where to go um, hmm. other than go down the steps. And I know for me, you know, the big thing for me was I, don't, I can't do steps. I, I haven't been doing steps with my right. knee. And so Mikey Sherrill saw, saw that and saw me with my cane and said, do you want help? I can stand on your other side. And I said, yeah, and just took a giant deep breath and then basically tried to cantilever myself down with you know one mm-hmm. hand on the railing, one hand on Mikey and using my right leg as much as I could to go down what I think was about six flights of stairs to go down into the sub-basement where the tunnel is to the other buildings. But we got into the tunnel. There was still no Capitol Police officers with us, so we we were just told to go to one of the other buildings that was supposed to be a secure location, so we started to head in that direction and went through the tunnel. No, Nobody guiding us, nobody looking out for our safety. Hmm. Um, And then we saw some Capitol Police coming the other direction, and they told us which room to go to, which was a different room than we had originally been told. And we, you know, eventually made our way there. And by the time we got there, I think we were among the last people to enter the room because it was packed. And the minute I walked Mm -hmm. in there, I thought, I'm going to get COVID. There's just no way. This is a super spreader event. 
there were over a hundred people there, but there was no, you know, there were no choices in that moment. So right. that's what we did. When you were on the, the gallery and the people were banging on the door, were, were people looking around for weapons they could use to defend themselves? Was your, was your cane kind of identified yes, as well? Yes, I definitely, oh yeah, I identified my cane. I mean, I had it. The, the challenge was I was holding a gas mask in, one, in my right hand, mm-hmm. but I had my cane in my left hand. It was sort of propped on my leg. The gas mask was another weapon, potentially, mm-hmm. because it's actually very heavy. Mm-hmm. And so I sort of figured that between the gas mask and the cane, and I'm right-handed, that I would start by, um, you know, flinging the gas mask, and then I would be able to pick up the cane with, with my right hand and, you know, use mm-hmm. the cane. But, I mean, these are all split-second thoughts that were going through my right. head, like, what are we going to do? So you were going to go down swinging. Oh, for sure. So you're, you found yourself in this committee room packed, and this is the area that has since become famous for a lot of Republicans refusing to wear masks. Did you try to get as far away as you could? What, like, what, was, your, what was your move in there? And did people think that you were safe yet, or were you still curious if there would be a breach at that location? Oh, no, I don't, I don't think any of us knew we were safe. And there was one point at which somebody was live streaming with mm-hmm. press from mm-hmm. that room, which there was an announcement immediately to stop doing that because you can tell from the surroundings, right. the background, which room it is. Somebody knows the Capitol. Right. So there was definitely fear that we still weren't safe. And my first thought was, I have to sit down. I mean, my knee was killing me. It was probably five times as big as it should have been. And so I went and found a place that was as distant from other people as possible, but a chair. And it was, you know, behind the first row at the end. Right. The, the rows are where the members sit, you know, it was a hearing room. So I, I was on the, on the lowest level near the end where I figured at least there was nobody right next to me and, you know, elevating my leg and asking if anybody had a cold pack or ice that I could put on it. And somebody got me some ice and then I was just sitting there with my leg elevated and hoping nobody came close to talk to me. But, you know, it's just not that it's just not possible to stay really far apart. Right. So I was better than some of the other members who were still trying to process and talking to each other and milling about each other because there wasn't any room to not do that. You know, in some ways I was probably more distanced mm-hmm. than other people were just because I couldn't move. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com acast. 
And so coincidentally, while all of this was going on, the press declares that John Ossoff has won in Georgia. Yes. You know, which flips control of the Senate to Democrats. And so combining his win and Democrats taking the Senate with this insurrection that was repelled, has that, how has that kind of changed Democrats psychologically and in terms of their like political calculations about how aggressive they're, they're going to be with their agenda going forward? Or, or is, is it, is it, is it wrong to kind of link the two? No, I definitely think that we're not very good as a progressive movement in general about celebrating our victories. Mm -hmm. And so I think that there was this, like, when we win Georgia, we're all really going to celebrate. And I even remember thinking we're going to win Georgia in the midst of them challenging the electoral college vote. Mm -hmm. And how sweet is that going to be to both win the Senate and defeat them on the electoral college vote and certify Joe Biden as the next president? Of course, we just didn't get to do that in real time. So there was celebration about Georgia in that room. There were, Hmm. you know, we were talking to each other about, I mean, it was both Republicans and Democrats, but with Democrats, we were talking to each other about just trying to hang on to every piece of good news. And it was significant, obviously. And so there was that. And then there was also, I think, in the days since January 6th, there has been an enormous amount of unity about the threat that faces us from these people who are really unhinged. I mean, refusing to wear masks and also refusing to go through metal detectors and then continuing, worst of all, continuing to support these insurrectionists and calling them loyal patriots. And then, of course, all the reports that show that some of them were likely involved in planning and executing the attack, mm-hmm. including your yours was the first piece I saw mm-hmm. with that clearly reported. And so I think that all of that, you could see the effect of all of that in how quickly we moved to impeachment. Right. There was not the resistance to it this time. There was a little bit of initial, a couple of members, but even you know, people who had been very reticent the first time around were just clear, this has to happen. We have to do this. And I also think that this will take some time to figure out, but I do think that there's a different sensibility about racism. And it was so clearly on display. Mm -hmm. What we had seen during the summer that I pointed out to Bill Barr about, you know, Mm -hmm. these white nationalists, armed militia, storming the state capitol in Michigan, which I believe was a precursor to this. I mean, I think those were trial runs. And then the way that law enforcement treated them, as in ignored that whole thing and acted like there was nothing there. Bill Barr told me he didn't even know, Mm -hmm. which I don't believe is true, but that's what he said. And then, of course, the way that Black Lives Matter individuals who were demanding justice at the murder of yet another a black person at the hands of law enforcement during the summer. And those people were tear gassed and pepper sprayed and national guards troops lined up everywhere. And then this, where this mm-hmm. wasn't even taken seriously as a threat in spite of all the things that we now know existed prior to January 6th, that somehow because these were white nationalists, proud boys, boogaloo boys, people who Chris Ray identified to us in Judiciary Committee during a hearing a year ago, 
were the single biggest domestic terror threat to the United States mm-hmm. for these white nationalist groups. And yet they weren't identified as a serious threat. There was no additional law enforcement there. Um, now we're finding out more about National Guard not being called in, National Guard being delayed, all the different ways in which the intelligence was not shared or assessed. Who knows which pieces of these are going to be true in the end. But they were not taken seriously. And so I do think that there's a different understanding of race and some of the calls that I have been on, some of which are to process what happened. I created a tech string called the gallery group. That is everybody that was in mm-hmm. the gallery and we've been mm-hmm. processing with each other and it's been pretty intense, both in person and on text. And I think that there is a different understanding of race. And for those of us who were people of color, several of us, when we were told to take off our member pins so that the insurrectionists couldn't identify us, we actually had to make a choice about whether we wanted to do that or keep them on because we weren't sure that Capitol Police would identify us as members if we took them off. Mm -hmm. So I kept mine on. Mondaire Jones kept his on. Right. And I think that that there has been discussion about that among us as members, not just progressives. I mean, this gallery group has people from across the caucus, blue dogs, frontliners, and others. The other element of the next few weeks will be the stimulus. Joe Biden on Thursday night is going to unveil you know, what, what he's pushing for. Your Medicare for All co-sponsor on the Senate side, Bernie Sanders, has been pushing him to include significant elements of, of Medicare for all in that push, so, similar to what you were calling for the last time that, that we spoke. Uh, you know, how likely do you think it is? Like, How much leverage do you think you have at this point to be able to yeah. get some of those elements? I think it's lowering the Medicare age, raising it, like people 25 and under, and also for people who are unemployed to be able to get into some, some type of insurance, whether it's TRICARE or Medicare or something else. Well, I do believe that the crisis moment that we're in has just been elevated multiple times now. Mm-hmm. And I think that our narrow majorities in the House and the Senate mean that, of course, you know, it's challenging, but there is budget reconciliation in the Senate that can be used for a relief package. Those things have to be budget related, but we also got the PAYGO exemptions, which are more important now than ever before. Mm-hmm. So that things related to the pandemic, including healthcare, do not have to go through the PAYGO point of order. And so I, I think that the reality of the crisis is maybe even more enormous. I mean, I, I understand that, you know, what we faced was an insurrection, but I still think that the need to get mm-hmm. relief to people and the need to sort of show that somebody's in charge and they're going to get relief is more important than ever. And so I hope Mm -hmm. that the fact that we won Georgia, the fact that black and brown and indigenous folks won Georgia for us, um, and, you know, and the reality of now controlling the House, the Senate, and the presidency, Mm -hmm. that has to be enough to say to Joe Biden, but to all of our Democrats, including some of our conservative Democrats, now we have to deliver. We have to deliver. And we have to show people that we've got their backs. And of course, there's the midterm elections looming in two years, but we have to show that we can deliver real relief to people across the economic 
working people's economic spectrum, I should say, poor people and working people's economic spectrum. And so, you know, we're going to use every tool in our toolbox to do that. And we obviously got through some of the procedural reforms that we need in the House to be able to do that. But we're also going to have to work really closely together with Democrats in the Senate. I was just on an inside-outside strategy call with Bernie and our movement partners. And then also with our leadership and across the caucus. And some of the unity that has been building across the caucus with different parts of the caucus that perhaps never would be in this situation otherwise, sharing you know very personal things. I hope that helps us to really come together as Democrats and mm-hmm. maybe a good few Republicans, I don't know, but at least as Democrats, to really push for the boldest relief we can get. That is our job, and we have to get that done. And the, the other thing you and I talked about last time was that the CPC has the most leverage in situations where you're not going to get any Republican support. And you can hope, but I would suspect that on a, on a Biden stimulus, you know, you're likely to get pretty much universal opposition. They'll find things in it that they say, that's just a bridge too far. We'd love to bring relief to people, but we can't do X, Y, Z, you know, whatever thing is in it that they don't like. Do you think that'll be one of these moments of leverage? Or do you think that they're going to be able to kind of railroad you guys by saying, you know, if you don't vote for this, then people get nothing? I think that is a real challenge. Because the you saw what happened on the last COVID relief package. I mean, there was a group, bipartisan group of conservative Democrats and more liberal Republicans that got together and were crafting the, the mm-hmm. scope of that package. And that could happen again, because I do think that there are a lot of people who believe we need to get serious COVID relief done. But my fear is that that group will hold sway on getting something through the Senate. Now, with 51 votes, and if we can use budget reconciliation, right, that gives us the ability to not need Republicans. So it really depends on if it's a pure budget reconciliation piece, where I think we can get a lot of stuff done. But some of the things we want to do, you know, let's just say around immigration and offering green cards to frontline workers or, you know, those kinds of things we're going to have to figure out what we can get through by budget reconciliation, which would only allow 51 votes versus things that will require a 60 vote majority in the Senate. Great. Well, uh, Pramila Jayapal, thanks so much uh, for, for joining us and, and best of luck on your recovery. I know there's, there's, there can be a yo-yo effect, so, but I hope that you're headed out of the woods on this. Thank you so much, Ryan. I hope so too. I'm not going to let this virus stopped me, but I know the reality of the course of it. And we just have to wait and see, but hopefully all will be good. You know, the doctor called me this morning to say, I'm so glad you're doing better, but please know day seven Mm. is the real day. Day seven, eight, nine is often where people get much worse. So I'm on day, just in the middle of day five, at the beginning of day five. So I got a few more days to Mm -hmm. make sure I get through this, but hopefully the fact that I don't have terrible symptoms yeah. now is a good sign. And we don't know what the long-term effects of these things are, even right. if you get through it, you know. Anyway, to that point, I should go rest. Yes, you should. Yes, <laughs> so, you should. Um, thanks yes, so you much, should. Ryan. Good to talk to you. Same. Same to you. That was Congresswoman Pramila Jayapal, and that's our show. Deconstructed is a production of First Look Media and The Intercept. Our producer is Zach Young. The show was mixed by Brian Pugh. 
Our theme music was composed by Bart Warshaw. Betsy Reed is the Intercept's editor-in-chief. And I'm Ryan Grimm, D.C. Bureau Chief of The Intercept. If you'd like to support our work, go to theintercept.com slash give. Your donation, no matter what the amount, makes a real difference. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the show so you can hear it every week. If you're subscribed already, please do leave us a rating or review. It helps people find the show. If you want to give us feedback, email us at podcasts at theintercept.com. Thanks so much. See you soon. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.